Hello and welcome back to Who Asked You, the Daily's political talk show. We're your hosts, Gabby and Marissa. So, we watched the fourth Democratic debates and... Uh, you know what, Marissa? I'm gonna, I'm gonna interrupt you right there. Um, just, you know, okay. will you sign on to my attempt to remove Editor-in-Chief Troy Clausen from Twitter? No. <laughs> I, Senator, I don't understand why you wouldn't no. do that. I know it wasn't asked, but I'm gonna keep repeating myself. Don't worry, you'll understand what that reference means uh, if you did not watch the debate later on. It was a debate. There were 12 candidates on stage, and I literally felt like I was hallucinating. There was so many people <laughs> on stage. Every time Tom Steyer showed up, he looked like a figure in like one of those Madame Tussauds wax museums. <laughs> looked like a replica of like somebody I was supposed to know but did not. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he didn't expect to be like asked any questions. I'm sure he got negative 10 talking minutes if we go through the breakdown he's literally just there for a good time (laughs) not a long time that's for sure so what are your uh general thoughts before we jump right in i thought this debate was actually a lot more substantive but a lot more antagonistic which i didn't like i think we're too close to the primary starting and too close to a serious calling of candidates to be getting into these petty fights which honestly should have been done earlier but in general there were some boring parts but i thought it was decent which is a high praise for these debates, honestly. For me, it just felt a little, I don't know, I missed the excitement of the first debates when everyone was just out of control, like, wiling on <laughs> when stage. When we were young and, and naive. <laughs> when we were so young, we thought that most of them would have dropped out by now. <laughs> so we decided to shake things up a little bit and talk about five main takeaways from this debate, things that you should know analysis wise before heading into your next poli sci class the next dinner table fight the next time an annoying poli sci major tries to talk to you and act like they know more than you which i would definitely do so honestly i don't blame them to start off let's talk about the feistiness of this debate there were a lot more back and forths a lot more conflict we both felt what were some of the conflicts that were notable to you and how did you perceive that whole vibe amy klobuchar and pete Buttigieg really jumped out the gate hot they drank some tabasco sauce with their milk this morning because they were on fire i think that both of them have been trending downward in the polls and i think that they both saw this as an opportunity to differentiate themselves namely when amy klobuchar went after elizabeth warren and said that just because your ideas are different than mine doesn't mean that they're you know more radical or like they touch more people And she really kind of went after that whole dream big idea that Elizabeth Warren has and was asking for some concrete details on her plans, which we'll get into a little bit later. And so I thought that was interesting. And then Pete Buttigieg really has been just asking for it on Twitter. He's gotten into fights on broadcast news, on Twitter, anywhere you could think of, really. He's kind of turned into a little playground bully, to be honest. Except that he doesn't have, like, enough clout to be a bully. So (laughs) he's just, like, he's, like, in the B-list group. You know how, like, the A-listers, like, can afford to be nice? But it's, like, the people who want to get into the popular group that have to like be mean Mm -hmm. to everyone else like that's literally what pete Buttigieg is doing right now i don't know how did you think that played both pete and amy and other um infighting i guess on the debate stage i mean i think pete Buttigieg is trying to take joe biden's lane now that he's like taking betos he's trying to present himself as the centrist candidate which was very interesting i don't think he ever in responding to anybody or saying anything i don't think he ever went to the left of what somebody like directly before him said who's always trying to push towards the center definitely expected (laughs) and so i think pete was trying to pick fights with other people notably the other progressives and with people like beto o'rourke which was kind of random it seemed like punching down a little bit especially on gun control which is something that's so personal to beto but i think the problem with his whole strategy is that so much of biden's support is concentrated in older black voters and pete is like still polling at something like 0% with black voters. He doesn't have the trust or the experience. And so I think it's interesting that he chose to try to mix it up. I don't know how that's going to play for him. I just don't think it's sustainable, though, going after Kamala Harris, 
Beto O'Rourke, Elizabeth Warren, you know, all these big names punching up in the scenario doesn't really work because they all have more followers, they all have more standing in the general populace. And so when they respond to him on Twitter, that gets more reaction and more likes and more engagement than his original taunt did. And so I think he's only hurting himself at this point. And I think he's very personally motivated in his own political career. Again, he's only in his 30s. He's not going to win the nomination. I'd be really shocked if he did. And if he's trying to advocate for his own personal career and build his profile, all these other people on the debate stage have known each other for years and are friends, Mm -hmm. and he hasn't. I think he's also like honestly hurting his own personal political future a little bit, but maybe that'll all be forgotten in six months. So John Delaney was replaced, I would say, by our father, Joseph Biden. (laughs) As a screamo. (laughs) But he wasn't screaming at anybody in particular. He was kind of screaming at the audience, which was weird. (laughs) That was pretty weird. (laughs) How would you say that played? And how would you say he kind of did overall in terms of attitude and posture on stage i mean i think he definitely faded away significantly at times he had an awkward exchange with warren that i think any woman would recognize where he was like you did a great job and she like paused you could tell she would like want to say something snappy and she was just like thank you (laughs) (laughs) oh my god when he interrupted her and oh and he was like i like laid the pathway for you to blah 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 i was like (gasps) i was like joseph arno and when he tried to claim that he's the only person on stage who's like achieved anything all women have been in that position too yeah we've all felt that elizabeth i felt you there sorry to joseph r it kind of seemed like he was trying to make like a kennedy-esque moment like ask not what your country could do for you but like importantly kennedy didn't scream that at the country so at the end when biden was like we're the best country in the world come on we can do better than this I was like, why are you yelling at me? Most of the people in that audience are Democratic voters. And so in theory, they didn't really do anything. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know who he's addressing there, to be honest. Elizabeth Warren definitely took the most attacks tonight from her fellow Democrats. What did you think about all that? In the past, that role has fallen on Biden. But you could really see a lot of the campaign strategy in the background when it came to attacking Warren. When they asked her, you know, that classic line, how are you going to help... <laughs> pay for this medicare for all plan without raising taxes for the middle class and she's it was kind of funny at the beginning she's like i've said this one good zillion times costs will go down go to my website like elizabethwarren.com and figure it out <laughs> yeah it's very clear she doesn't want to be clipped saying taxes will go up on the middle class because she knows exactly how republicans are going to play that game so it's honestly smart and I think other Democrats know why she doesn't want to say it so it's kind of frustrating when Pete Buttigieg is coming in being like you didn't answer the question but I think it is important to remember that she has been saying that Medicare for All would happen under her presidency. And I think if you're not a diehard Warren stan, that would definitely raise some questions. And I think rightfully so about, well, what about the 150 million people who are on their private insurance? Even if they would all love to give up their private insurance, how is that going to look? What is that going to look like in four years specifically? And I don't think she answered it as well as she could have. I think she could have probably prepared better. Maybe she wasn't expecting so many attacks, but that might be something she's thinking about for future not only town halls and tweets and things, but also the fifth debates in November. I liked the conversation about big tech. I thought they hadn't really gotten into tech companies, and that was interesting because a lot of candidates do have a lot of different ideas. Um, There's people like Andrew Yang who say that protecting data is like the most important way to hold companies accountable. There's people like Warren who want to enforce antitrust law, and there's people like Beto in the middle who say that like antitrust law should be enforced, but you presidential candidates shouldn't get to choose which companies to do it against and who the Justice Department should bring cases against. So it's definitely interesting to get that nuance on a topic that is relatively new. This is something that wasn't being talked about in 2016. And I loved when Joe Biden screamed because it just 
kept me awake. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, woke me up from my days. <laughs> okay, also one question that was definitely a low for me was the last one. Oh, the like, who's a weird friend you have? AKA, who's your Republican BFF? That did not play well with me at all. That was really bizarre. Especially since there are so many issues that they could have talked about besides that. But to have, in lieu of closing statements, who is a Republican that you get along with, especially connecting that to the Ellen George Bush thing, where it's, you know, like, George Bush did war crimes. Like, that's not, like, a positive thing. What were some of your lows besides that? Elizabeth Warren, I think that she came out as more of a loser in that sense. But I don't necessarily know if the others came out as winners because it's one thing to definitely poke holes in your opponent's plan but at the same time you need to be presenting your own plan so especially you know at p buddha judge my least favorite moment was when joe biden said i'm gonna offend some people here i was very concerned it's gonna come out of his mouth a a number of things could have flown out of that mouth but he ended up just saying he's the only one who's done anything also i'm pretty sure cory booker was like not paying attention during half the debate because he would just say something different yeah there would be a question let's say on healthcare, and then they move on to gun control and be like okay guys first of all we all need to be friends, but back to what we were saying about healthcare, and it's like, dude, we moved on. Come on, like, I'm I'm sorry you only did one of the readings, but you got you got to keep up, dude. You got to keep up. Yeah. Oh, and the weird Kamala like trying to get Elizabeth Warren on not signing her petition or whatever to like remove Trump from Twitter was just a very weird hill to try to die on, and Warren didn't even like pretend to care. Also, the whole campaign to remove Trump from Twitter doesn't really make sense because even if he does use the account to spout some pretty horrible things that's the way that he's communicating with the american people and so honestly we wouldn't know half the things we know about the white house or washington or his campaign or his presidency or his crimes which he like openly tweets or his crimes that he openly admits to someone should get a handle on that but at the same time if that's what he's using to communicate like we can't just shut it down which i don't think jack would even do he's too busy drinking soylent or something (laughs) jack's busy on the joe rogan experience podcast So another segment we're going to try is youth vote. So how do us, the youths, perceive the candidates so far? I thought Joe Biden's screaming really came across as like having to listen to your random relative. And a lot of times when he would go on a rant, it didn't seem like he really knew where he was going to go. And he seemed lost at times. It kept saying like Iraq instead of Syria and things like that. The Andrew Yang stuff comes in, I think, in the past two debates at least, maybe more. There's been significant amount of cheering and yelling like when he says anything really on stage and i think a lot of that definitely is coming from people who are under 30 and people who are energized and that definitely says something about the way he's able to tap into things his fan base is very online in the way that like if you're a joe biden supporter like you probably don't have twitter and it's interesting that like there's a lot of right-wing people too who are like have like pro andrew yang meme accounts and things like that and he brought it up on stage he said i'm friends with a trump supporter stereotypically red state working class person and then he said i convinced him to vote for me we don't know if his campaign is salient enough to keep going but it is interesting to watch at the same time i think it also says a lot about how like a lot of young conservatives i know like their preferred candidate is tulsi or andrew yang we haven't really mentioned tom steyer at all this episode i don't think we're going to continue to mention (laughs) him he really did not capture the youth vote or any vote at all i would say on stage (laughs) actually beto i think he went up probably if anything because of the attacks on him by Pete Buttigieg. And he mentioned, you know, the work that all the teenage activists have done in terms of gun control. Because it's very annoying when all these candidates are like, 
oh, we need to make a better future for our kids. We're actively mm-hmm. trying to do that for ourselves. Like, we're out here leading right. climate protests and gun control protests. And, like, all you can say about, like, the youth is, like, get off your phones. Mm-hmm. This new generation of voters, we have, like, a very specific American mental experience from, like, all of the problems that exist because these adults have created them. And then they're, all they can say is, like, get off your phone. Like, it legitimately is annoying and frustrating to hear. You know what I thought was weird? Tulsi being on stage because she said she wouldn't come to the debate. <laughs> Tulsi replied no on the Facebook event for the party, but then showed up anyway. For those who missed it, Tulsi said that she was thinking about not attending the debates because of the unfairness that has been leveled against her and other candidates by the DNC. And she said she is seriously considering her voter base and their request for her to not be on stage. And yet, who did I see? (laughs) You saw Tulsi. If her voter base doesn't want her on stage, I think that kind of says something. (laughs) Tulsi was very weird. She was definitely feeling the spooky Halloween energy, let me tell you. She's about to walk into the Pike basement with an alien costume. Stop. Oh my because god. Because she was literally on a different on a different planet with her like foreign policy analysis when she claims that like the situation here is a regime change war. Like, no, that's not true. She kept saying just like strange things. She's saying that the mainstream media and then she like called out CNN and the New York Times were like running hit pieces about her. I was like, Tulsi, I don't know what world you're in right now, but it's not ours. When they're talking about the best friends, and it was very weird when Tulsi said, my best friend is named Bashar. No, I'm kidding. That didn't happen. (laughs) I was worried she was going to say it. Yeah, that was an entirely horrible question. It was really interesting to see who they chose, though. Some people chose very well-known senators. AKA John McCain, who literally everybody chose. Rand Paul. Ted Cruz came up, I believe, which was random. And then... Okay, Tom, so I was like, this activist from South Carolina, she's like a black woman from South Carolina and I'm none of those things and then he's like but my parents taught me the value of hard work so he just like literally brought her up to like get you into the story and then totally abandoned her to talk about his parents I think that was his one black friend I'm calling it literally prove me wrong Tom Steyer I dare you because I really think that's your only black friend (laughs) he could have a lot more if he dropped his campaign and spent this money instead on like registering voters and changing state legislatures but alas some of them give him (laughs) heebie-jeebies Oh my god, stop. (laughs) (laughs) This is our final segment, and we're just gonna talk a little bit about the power ranking. So, who moved up, who moved down, who gave me (laughs) 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 heebie-jeebies. All of them did. (laughs) Well, now I can't talk about a few candidates. (laughs) I thought it was a pretty good night for Pete Buttigieg. We'll see how it plays out in the polls, but I think he definitely presented himself as this centrist option to Warren Sanders. He wanted to come out on the attack, and he definitely was able to. I know we might have a different opinion about this. I don't think it was like a great showing for Warren, but I think you can't consider it a loss because she got to say so much and because it was so clear that every other candidate was coming at her, that she's the front runner. So while it is, as Joe Biden learned, it's tough to be at the top. For now, she's at the top <laughs> and it's a much shorter time to the primaries now than it was when Biden was there. Well, I think at the same time, it's kind of like very perspective based. So if you really like Elizabeth Warren, you might think that she, you know, did her classic policy points. She hit all her marks. And she did have some great moments that that tangle with Biden about the CFPB where she was like, I'd like to thank President Obama. It was like really great. <laughs> oh, and everyone in the audience was like, ooh, that was funny. Even Joe had to laugh. <laughs> but at the same time... If you are on the fence about her, I don't think that this really pushed you towards Warren, namely because of the holes that people poked. I mean, whether they were valid or not, people got a lot of jabs in. She definitely outpaced everyone by a significant amount of minutes. And if you're one of the people who is more of the mindset that everyone should get equal speaking time, she definitely did not do well in that sense. She talked a lot more proportionally than she ever has in previous debates. Yeah, and I think that was a positive for her because there were times that she disappeared in the past. 
And I think she definitely got herself into every single debate. And I think she was really strong on guns this time, strong on the big tech conversation. I think she definitely had her moments. And when it gets turned into a highlight reel, she definitely got what she wanted in that sense, which is clippable moments. Amy Klobuchar really went after people and was a lot spicier and a lot heavier. I think she's really trying to differentiate herself at this point because, mm-hmm. you know, the field hopefully is narrowing a little bit and she as of right now has not qualified for the fifth debate stage because of polling and so i think her strategy was to get her poll numbers up so that way she can definitely be on the fifth stage and i think one of her last strategies was to just go after people on the opposite end i think cory booker did not have a great showing if you like cory booker he did fine but i don't think anyone's rushing over to his side cory booker acted as like the dnc chair on the stage trying to be like if he saw, felt like there was a Republican talking point being brought up, he'd call it out. I really liked when he said, we need to like care about women because they're people, not just because like, you have a mom or whatever. Mm-hmm. And when he talked about low-income people, that was really important. Yeah, um, A yeah. few candidates did that, actually, which is really nice. Talked about child poverty, some interesting things. He encouraged like his whole message of love and unity. Um, so I think if you're just like kind of, you know you're a Democrat, but you don't know who you support, maybe he played well because you're like, oh, he like is positive, but he's also not crusty. That really eliminates half the field at this point. <laughs> I think some of the losers for me were Kamala and Harris and Joe Biden. Yes. I think Kamala Harris got a lot of momentum after that first debate, but has really lost it. And I think her campaign was never really sure why she's running and what she stands for. Interesting. Even at the end when she said, when she was talking about her Republican friend or whoever, and then she was like, I guess that's why I'm running. Just like even the inclusion of I guess. I was like, I don't even know if you really know, like if you could give an elevator pitch as to why you're running. I think she turned it into like, I can prosecute the case against Trump. Right. She's turned into the prosecutor, but that's a double-edged sword. Her campaign is really losing steam and momentum and struggling to pick it back up. And Joe Biden really disappeared at times. And when he did speak, he was kind of incoherent. I don't think it was a big hit to Biden's thing because he did neutral. He did fine. But when you're not the front runner anymore, fine typically isn't going to be enough at this point. Right. He's still coasting on the inevitability, quote unquote, that he had before. And now it's dwindling. And I think Kamala was doing the same thing. She was really riding on that first debate performance and kind of dropped ever since and then tom steyer he was there where the candidates stand he stood <laughs> on the stage <laughs> that's literally all you can say about him for the entire debate that <laughs> his was, feet were on the ground that there. Was tom. <laughs> those are some of our takeaways from this debate we will definitely be coming at you before the november debates to give our take and hopefully to count on less than 10 fingers the candidates remaining <laughs> we literally can only pray Nobody asked us, but here we are.